all things cyber and technology. I'm Jen Burris, co-host today. Jenna Martin. Thank you. <laughs> and our special guest is Dr. Kyle Cronin. Yeah. Excited first podcast for me. So. Ooh, awesome. Really? Yeah, first one ever. Hmm, ever? Cool. Yeah. Well, we feel special and privileged. They're kind of fun. Yeah. We have to do more. We'll just see. bring you in. As Find cool topics to come yeah. talk about or something then, right? Absolutely. You can sub in for Jenna when she tells me. Yeah, there you go. It's a color commentary person. Yeah. We can just sit and talk about ask, nothing. Ask the dumb uh-huh. questions Things like that I, I don't do. know about, but make comments on it. It's like teaching, kind of. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so that's what it's like in your classroom. Right? <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Kyle? Yes, I've been at the university, I think, for, I think, like, 15 years. I guess I should know that, but I don't. Um, have taught all, all across the board. I'm a DSU graduate as well, so... I've kind of, one of those people that liked college so much that I just never left, and That's just kind of been at, univer- at DSU since, uh, since I graduated from high school, actually. I guess I did go a brief stint at a real job, but, <laughs> but uh, I, I like DSU, I like, like uh, the people that I work with, and getting to see all the kids and whatnot all the time. So yeah, over the, over the years, I, I've taught a lot of classes um, in all sorts of different topics and whatnot, mm-hmm. and then kind of got into these like we should do these outreach to high school kids and whatnot because there's there's a lot of kids out there that, especially in South Dakota, we're so rural, they might be the only student in a school, in a whole school system that might be interested in technology, mm-hmm. and that whole school system might be a group of like 50 kids. So the this kind of, we initially started doing these on our own of just, hey, come for this little day trip thing, and mm-hmm. that worked okay, but when like some parts of the state are a six and a half hour drive, I wouldn't say we really connected with those people. Uh, so this became a really cool program when mm-hmm. uh, a former DSU person actually kind of bar napkined the idea for these camps at NSA. Uh, I believe Ooh. they were sitting in a hallway and came up with this idea of like, hey, what if the NSA sponsored these camps to help recruit high school kids and get them exposed to cyber and whatnot. So that was like, I don't know, 12 years ago, and here we are now, so. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't know that that was like the origin story. Oh, yeah, the origin story. Everything starts like in a garage or <laughs> on a napkin or something, right? <laughs> right. Um, so well, uh, have you been involved from like the start then? Yep, after the napkin was typed up on real paper is about <laughs> when I started uh, becoming involved. And That's so when the it was very legit. Yeah, right? Type it up and it's a deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's like contracts and signatures and stuff. And that's kind of how my involvement started. I initially was just a teacher in, in the camp. Um, and we just had the one camp. We were actually the pilot sort of camp for the NSA. To see uh, how it went. And see how it went, yeah. And the NSA has been doing this with language immersion camps. Oh. Um, for before that, so they kind of mm-hmm. took that idea and and copy pasted it into like if we could do cyber stuff mm-hmm. somehow. So they had some experience with it, but having never done like going from language to like cybersecurity with all these trinkets that we have to mess with and computers and all mm-hmm. that, it's a little different. So we got to be the pilot school for that. It was actually called Cyber Stars, I think. When oh. it first started. When it very first started, yeah. So we were a Cyber Stars camp, uh, and then it got renamed to Gen Cyber when it became official. Official, so. That was, that how, was I believe eleven years ago. How many campers did you have at like your first couple camps? What was your average? That was funny. The first camp, I believe, it started as like, we'll give you funding for forty. See if you get forty kids. And then we were like, so we got forty. Like, how about sixty? Like, yeah, we can go. We can go find a few more. Uh, I think the first camp had a hundred. What it ended up oh, as. Wow. So we didn't exactly go gently yep. into <laughs> this week long. Have them stay in the dorms and. 
uh, have activities for kids all day, like we kind of ripped the Band-Aid off and just jumped went in. in, just jumped right yep. in, yeah. What are you at now then for capacity at a camp? This year uh, for our co-ed, we have actually a few camps now, mm-hmm. um, but the co-ed camp, which is for high school students, we had funding from the NSA and then actually the Rising 2 program through the state of South Dakota yep. uh, got us up to a hundred and just under 190 students oh, wow. this year. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Our biggest camp ever, we did 300. Is that kind of like max capacity? That was too much. Too much? That was too many. It, oh. it actually went pretty well. We actually uh, structured it so it was like two camps running at the same time. They were just all offset by 45 minutes. Because, oh, okay. I mean, knowing DSU and we're kind of our, like, our brand is small school, mm-hmm. we can't feed 300 people at a time. So we end up with little infrastructure problems like that, but that just DSU's not built for. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it's cool that we're not built for that, right? Yep. So, uh, yeah, we came up with some creative solutions. I don't know that we'd ever do a camp that big again. And this, this is open to kids from all over the United States, right? I mean, it's yeah. not just strictly South Dakota, because I think I saw some from New Mexico even. Yeah, I think we had 16 states yeah. this year. So we obviously catch all of the the regional yeah. Midwestern states. Uh, we had, for sure, New Mexico. We had uh, Arizona, I think in Oregon. I'm trying to think through my list on my spreadsheet. Yeah. So, yeah, it was 16 different states. So we actually have airport runs. That we do. That's our, our thing is the camp is completely free. You just have to get here, and then we'll do the asterisk of we'll pick you up from the airport yep. if you mm-hmm. fly in. Yep. Um, so over over the years, we've probably ticked off all 50 states. For, for sure ticked off all 50 states, and then actually a lot of uh, overseas military bases. So we're, there's oh. families living, and mm-hmm. one of the rules, since this is federal dollars, it can you have to be a U.S. citizen. Uh, okay. But... And there are rules of, like, you have to be in the U.S. and whatnot. And we're like, well, if they're in Japan at the U.S. base there, like, and their uh, family members a serving military member, like, we're happy to have them. It's just that that's really expensive for you to fly here. And they're like, no, we really want to come to your camp. Worth the experience. Yeah. Yep. So it's been really cool, all the places we've done. We've also done the camp in other locations. So we've done it in at Fargo, North Dakota. We partnered with NDSU mm-hmm. a couple different times. And we've also done... Uh, a set of them in Hawaii. So, wow. I'll yeah. go to can that we, one. Yeah, can yeah, we right? <laughs> yeah, there's, for some reason, the list of people wanting to volunteer for that one's way bigger than the yeah. one here in town. So. How does that happen? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, how did you develop the curriculum for this, and how has it changed over the years as things continue to constantly change in advance? Yeah. So, that's one really cool strength that our camp has over a lot of the other ones. The way a lot of the other camps are structured is there's someone who will make the curriculum and then find a teacher and give them the curriculum. The really cool thing we have here at DSU is that we've got all these people that are really good at what they already do, that are already faculty here, and they know how to teach and they have a passion for teaching, and they know how to adapt their stuff to be age-appropriate. Not not like naughty things going on, but like you're not going <laughs> like to jump, like I'm not going to take my senior-level wireless yep. class the intro and drop versus... it to a 16-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. So it's how do I bring this stuff down to a level that's going to be interesting and kind of exciting, and we're going to kind of learn something for a high school student coming in. So we're, we're really good at that with the faculty that mm-hmm. we have here at DSU is that we can, we can apply, you know, the right spin on what we're all already good at mm-hmm. uh, so that it's fun for, for younger folks too. So that's been been really cool is everyone just brings their own strength. Mm-hmm. And me as being the camp director, I don't have to actually worry about like, 
what's Sean's walk going to be teaching in his room? Is it going to be okay? Because he just knows how to do it. Yep. And we we go into high school so much anyway. So even when we try something new, we still try it. And then we actually kind of review afterwards of like, hey, this part was a bit of a stretch for high school. So yep. we'll tweak this. We'll eliminate it and whatnot. So we, we have a lot of chances to test all this stuff out before we bring it to camp and have it accessible to 200 kids. But it's the topics are all across the board. So... Kids can do programming. They can do, like, cybersecurity hacking stuff. Mm-hmm. They can do networking things, like learning how how all these things around the world communicate with each other. It's like, you know, if you look at, like, DSU's network, we don't just go to Walmart and buy a router. Mm-hmm. It's don't. a lot more complicated <laughs> than that. <laughs> right? Yeah, you can't, like, you know, at, at home you just unplug your router and plug it back <laughs> in and that fixes all of your problems. You like You hope. Oh. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> At DSU, if you're going to unplug our router, it's going to oh. be like two hands because the power cord's really big and <laughs> it's going to take it a long time to turn back on and stuff. So, yeah, no, just teaching, getting kids exposed to all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, how the schedule works is they have this prescribed track in the morning where they'll spend an hour doing some programming, they spend an hour doing some kind of networking, mm-hmm. and then an hour in some sort of cybersecurity thing. That kind of goes to our our whole belief behind teaching cyber is that it's a it's a scaffold mm-hmm. where you have to know some networking, you have to know how computers talk, and you have to know some programming. Once you know those two things, then you can start to learn about cyber. Build upon it. Yeah. How good is you your that foundation? foundation? Yeah, yep. you have to have those founded because anything cyber, at least anything technical cyber, is always going to harken back to one, if not both of those things. So you have to know the basics in those before you can go up. So that's the morning that the kids all have mm-hmm. uh, is building that up. We do kind of a capture the flag competition before camp starts where okay. they can come in and flex their skills a little bit and show off, and then we use that to break them into groups. So we know the kids that are really proficient and then the kids that are just beginners, and that's cool. Okay, so there are students that can come in with pretty limited knowledge. Yeah, yeah that we have can still... kids that are total beginners, that are like, I've, I've heard of this, I like computers, but, but I've I don't never really programmed have. before. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have other kids that are like, yeah, my high school has four programming classes. I've taken them all, and then I'm doing this other like side project and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And and we're like, yeah, you're actually ready to go into like college-level programming. You're good to go, or even like our second-level mm-hmm. college programming. So we have those kids too. Okay. So we kind of get them spread out so that each group of kids gets what, what, what? works best for mm-hmm. them. Because we don't want, you know, someone to overwhelm. That's, yeah, we don't want to overwhelm beginners because if you go in and have a bad experience right off the start, then it's not going to be fun, mm-hmm. right? And then once you have that bad taste in your mouth, it's hard to get it out. So we want the beginners to be with beginners, and we make sure we have all the help that we need in the room so that if somebody's stuck, we can get to them right away. So do you have, like, a, an estimate for how many faculty you involve in this camp each year? Yeah, for the high school camp, we have around 40. Okay. Depends on the day and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So some the morning, we kind of always try to have the same people mm-hmm. each morning. So you'll see the same face every morning at 9 a.m. to kind of get that that warm, fuzzy kind of feeling when you're, when you're coming through. Because sometimes these kids haven't uh, maybe haven't spent a lot of time from home or anything like mm-hmm. that. So uh, they'll, they'll see the same folks in the morning. And then in the afternoon, we have electives. So, oh, so they can kind of choose their own track, so yeah, to speak? Yeah, build your own adventure. Nice. And that's something that works because our camp is so big. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we have so many kids, which means we need so many faculty. Mm-hmm. So I bring in a bunch more in the afternoon, and partially it's to give the morning people at a least break. an hour break <laughs> somewhere yeah. in there. But uh, yeah, we bring in all these extra people in the afternoon and just have this buffet of different lessons or activities. We don't call them classes because it's not summer school mm-hmm. uh, that they can sign up for and, and go to. So we have this little registration system where they pick out what do you want to do tomorrow afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's all over the board okay. as far as the activities that are there. So if you really liked programming, you can do more. Or if you really, you know, if you really like the morning stuff, you can go deeper. If you want to go into something completely, completely different, you mm-hmm. can do that too. Like artificial intelligence, that's the cool new thing. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, that's, uh, and it, it's super relevant, right? It's the new mm-hmm. emerging tech. So we have uh, uh, some of our DSU faculty will come and teach AI sessions and like predictive analytics, okay. but then we do it in a sort of cool way. Like, how could you, using these math AI models, determine if you'd live on the Titanic or not? <laughs> That's interesting, like, right? I mean, <laughs> do DSU students help out at these camps as well at all? Or yeah, we have a bunch of. Uh, That's the cool thing for our student helpers mm-hmm. is most of them have been previous campers. So, oh, awesome. So they've had that experience. Yeah. I could also say it's like partially me being lazy as a camp director because then I don't have to <laughs> teach them how camp works. But really, it's just a better experience for everybody because then the the kids know, the, the, the student, the DSU students that are helping with camp, they know what to expect mm-hmm. as far as how camp is structured and what we're going to be doing and how things work from one point to another uh, because they've done it before. And then they they liked camp. They came to DSU. They wanted to help out with camp. So they've got that good energy to uh, help out yeah. with it. And you see them making friends. And it's, I think, really impactful if you're like a junior in high school to be like, hey, this, this person, they might be a freshman at DSU, but like I got to know them. And then, you know, a couple years later when they come to DSU, they actually have a friend here already yeah. because they got to know their camp counselor. Yeah. So... Yeah, do, you guys, do. do you change the curriculum from summer camp to summer camp? We It varies a little bit. So like the advanced stuff will tweak a little bit because yep. if we have some kids return, right, you can yep. do camp for you up to three years if you if you do it right. Yep. So those advanced kids, actually usually what we see is beginners become advanced. Sure. So we track from when they first yep. started. So there they kind of automatically get put into a whole different group automatically. But we tweak the advanced stuff mm-hmm. either way in case we have a, an advanced kid come back and want to do more advanced stuff. Mm-hmm. So we'll change that up a little bit. Yeah. And then that's the cool thing about the afternoon. Yep. As you can choose. see, yeah. like, I did that last year. That was really fun. I don't maybe remember all the ins and outs mm-hmm. of how that worked. So I'll go do it again. Yep. Or this is brand new. So we'll have returning campers be like, hey, are we going to do, usually it's lock picking. Like, are we going to do the lock picking stuff again? <laughs> like, yeah, you can, you can sign up for lock picking again if you want. You can try my gym locker up at the CC, see if they can break it. Because <laughs> I can't remember the Did code. Did you forget your code to get <laughs> <Yeah>. in? <laughs> Take the bolt now, cutter. The question is, is what's in your locker right now? Yeah. It's just been languishing. It's like a dirty towel. Probably gym <laughs> shoes. Mold. <laughs> so... You mentioned that other camps have developed from this as well. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, when we look at, like, there's this whole nationwide problem of getting people in cyber. Mm-hmm. So if we – and then there's the little stats you can cite of 
the number of graduates in cyber each year doesn't even make up for the increase in demand each year. So every year we're getting farther and farther and farther behind. And we do a really good job of, especially in our region, getting into high schools and connecting with those those students. But some kids are making up their mind that computers and cyber are bad even earlier. And by bad, I mean like, this isn't something I like to do. Yeah. yeah. And it's usually one of those like, I didn't have fun on a computer doing something at this younger age. And, and so it just soured I'm always, my whole It's experience. always going to be bad, mm-hmm. right? So Dr. Podorowski had the idea right when we were first getting into the camps of, well, we should work with, first it started as girls, and then she actually formed into uh, middle school girls. Mm -hmm. So can we get them involved and engaged and show them that there is a career path in this Mm -hmm. uh, and that there are really successful women in the the cybersecurity realm? This isn't just a man's thing. So she's she's done a really awesome job. They usually have around, I think around 100, 120 middle school girls every summer as well, and they did again this year. They, they bring in some really cool names mm-hmm. to talk to the girls about where their careers have gone. And then they do a really similar thing of a lot of hands-on activities to get the girls engaged and interested in cyber and having fun with it, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't just have to be someone in their cave. Hiding in the dark. Hiding in the dark with their, like, hoodie over it. And, and their two-liter of Mountain Dew sitting next to them. Well, l- at least one two-liter of Mountain Dew, right? <laughs> Just one? Yeah. <laughs> and then... Uh, to go even farther, we uh, offer teacher camps, mm-hmm. or we've offered teacher camps in the past. So that's actually, instead of us running the activity in front of a classroom, why don't we take high school teachers from around the area and teach them the activity so mm-hmm. they can take it back? And that's actually really where like the reach gets exponential. So we can, you know, we can work with at the high school camp, for example, two hundred kids a year. Well, if we can teach twenty teachers and they go back and teach fifty kids. Mm-hmm. That math is much better than the much, 200 much better, right. students who are probably not going to go share all those exactly lessons with their peers. Yeah. So that's been a that's been a a really awesome way to to do outreach there too. Mm-hmm. That kind of ties in with even at DSU the Governor Cyber Academy. Mm-hmm. Dr. Holman's trying to get um, we're getting it started up and running right now. But part of that is to reach out in a more formal way instead of just this week long kind of boot camp. But how can we get teachers taught and like have a cyber endorsement and mm-hmm. start going through a graduate program for them to have credentials and whatnot to start teaching classes uh, more formally in, in cyber. So that's also a shout out to our Department of Ed folks of having computer science and cyber standards in the state and getting those brushed up for requirements mm-hmm. for everybody. But and that's something that we're working on too. So what's your yeah. favorite part of the Gen Cyber Camps? My overall favorite part has got to be, well, part of, one of my favorites is when it's done. <laughs> so, That's but, what I was going to say, when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> the last day. Yeah. No, but for Not real, the, it's really cool. We have so many kids from so many different backgrounds. And a part of the camp, we actually talk about, like, well, there's these scholarship and funding opportunities, and this is a career and whatnot. And it's seeing some kids go from like, this is just something I do that I dink around at home with and my parents tell me to get a real job. And then all of a sudden I came to this camp and realized that my tinkering around could actually turn into a very lucrative career. Mm -hmm. And we kind of can start to bridge that gap and show kids what's really out there and what they can do. It also helps when someone can see, you know, one of our camp counselors that's only 
two or three years older than them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're working through this cyber career, and they can talk to one of our DSU students, and DSU student is like, well, I'm really excited for my internship I have coming up, but they let me take the week off for camp mm-hmm. and start seeing, yeah, there's there's a whole career here. It's not just, it doesn't have to be just someone tinkering around on their computer. It's a real job. So seeing that change that can happen in mentality for a student of my my hobby can be like a job. And like, I can yeah, get paid well. And I can not get paid <laughs> really well for that job. So that's the, the big win is, is seeing like, Literally, like it, it sounds all um, not pompous, but you can actually like, change people's lives with it, right? Mm-hmm. So we we changed changed minds and realized, you know, this I don't have to just work at the grocery store for the rest of my life. I can go do not that I mean, we need people working at the grocery store, but for folks that thought that that's just. But what, if you have an interest in a skill level, yeah, exactly. There's yeah. there's people that have those interests and skill levels, but they didn't think that, that they were, could apply them mm-hmm. to to a career. So that's actually my favorite part of camp. And we have a lot of cool stories where we've, we've worked with kids. Uh, the bummer is they're, they're all young, so we can't share the exact details mm-hmm. of their stories mm-hmm. and whatnot. But uh, it, we have a, really, a lot of really cool success stories with that. So, When kids attend camp, how many do you think turn around and come to DSU when they graduate high school? 20%. Is it really long? Yeah. I think good. I was just going to have that number off the top of my head. Well, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I figured you'd say 100% of them do. Yeah. So it's a liar. Yeah. We, we know for sure that at least 20% of the, the kids that attend our camp end up enrolling at DSU. That's a pretty good number. That's a good number, mm-hmm. especially when you consider, you know, not not to make fun of my, like, New Mexico kids or something, mm-hmm. but... The likelihood they, yeah, of like, them thinking, ooh, South Dakota for college. Right, <laughs> yeah. So they might have a local school that that's a good fit for them. So they came and, and, and granted, there's a, I don't know how New Mexico got to us in the first place as mm-hmm. a high school student, but mm-hmm. I don't ask those questions. We just yeah. let it happen. Uh, but they have their local schools they go to as, as well. So we we know that the Gen Cyber program nationwide has a, a rate of 20%. So when we look at our camp and see that just to DSU it's 20%. That's and impressive. And we know, mm-hmm. like, I can't track where you went if you went to your mm-hmm. New Mexico school or something afterwards. So we, we know we're actually a little bit above that national average. So it's That's it's awesome. really cool. You can and really see the impact that yeah. you're making. Oh, yeah, for sure. And there's the other side, the negative side, too, of someone comes to camp and sees, like, this was neat, but this isn't. This is a tiny college. I want a big college or yeah, you know, exactly. whatever personal. Or like, this is fun. I enjoy what I do at home, but this isn't the career. We'll have me. students that are yeah. like, I'm between doing something cyber related and something you know, maybe artistic or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And maybe I want to keep that as a hobby and yeah. delve into animation or exactly. something. So, and I actually count that as a win too, because mm-hmm. the camp was free. And they came and got to actually kind of have a college experience where they had their prescribed morning and they could sign up for electives in the afternoon. And we saved them two or three semesters (laughs) worth of tuition. Because you hear the stories of people that come in and to school and they change their major because they discovered they didn't really like their career path. Uh, So if we can help them discover and explore that before they're paying for tuition, that was a win too. Yep. Now I really hope that incense the other way and they they get their hooks into it, mm-hmm. but uh, but I I think the the students that end up not going into a cyber career field I think that's a win too, yep. if they come and they learn that so it's a win 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 all around the board, mm-hmm. yeah. 
So how do students sign up for this camp? What's the timeline to, you know, get in on the next yeah. cohort? So our, our next camp, we uh, actually, what was funny, on the very last day when we're having like our closing, closing out presentation ceremony, whatever you call it, I got my email from the NSA saying, your funding's approved for 2024. So, <laughs> so uh, get started so, right now. <laughs> yeah, get ready. And I was like, oh gosh, that's a little overwhelming right now. Uh, so we'll probably open up registration for our camp. We'll actually, if you go to our website, which is just gencyber.camp, mm-hmm. um, you can just fill out our interest form and that just puts you on our mailing list. Okay. So once we're ready to start opening up registration, We'll send out a blast message to everyone that's just said, hey, I'm interested. And we also will send it out to previous campers that we know would still maybe be eligible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll uh, send out a message saying, hey, registration is going to open up soon. And same website, gencyber.camp, where you can then go instead of uh, instead of it saying, like, I'm interested in camp, it'll be like, register here. Mm-hmm. We do registration in a couple phases. So you'll do the first phase of registration. We'll confirm it. Uh, saying, yep, you're, we got you on the list. And then everyone's got busy stuff, plans change and whatnot during the mm-hmm. summer. So we actually will do more students in that first round than what we have capacity for. Because, because some will drop off. Yeah, and... some drop off, and that's that happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's also easier to uh, maybe drop off an event that's free. Than, yeah, that's right. Then vacation mm-hmm. that mom or dad yep. paid thousands of dollars for your plane ticket for, <laughs> you know, that's a little tougher to just ignore. Can I get some parents to take me on a vacation? Those are different we could trade, right? Than right? I think that would be the thing, yeah. This trade, like, well, I'll go on the vacation. You come mm-hmm. to camp. Yeah. I would love a free plane ticket. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we kind of do that in phases so that we keep whittling down the list. And somehow we end up at that 180 to 200 every single year, so... And that's the nice, like, sweet spot for you guys. That's a sweet spot, yep. We can uh, we can get, that is, like, the maximum capacity of the TC of the cafeteria here, which <laughs> uh, which works, right? It's, yep. mm-hmm. it's, a good, it's a good fit. And then we'll have a, a couple dorms that we fit nicely mm-hmm. into. We separate the girls and the boys, but um, so we'll uh, have plenty of room for everybody mm-hmm. with that 200 mark as well. So, yeah, that's fun. We're looking forward to next summer. Awesome. For sure. So outside of Gen Cyber Camps, what kind of classes do you teach? What what should people know about you as a professor? Ooh, what do I do? Yeah. So I teach wireless stuff. Okay. So as we sit in this like room with all these class, wires. Like a cell phone and, class? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to teach Jenna how to use her cell phone. Yeah. yeah. You need like an intro. So that's you like. flip phone? <laughs> I don't have a flip phone. That's actually the funny thing because I'll get people like, oh, you do the cell phone thing. Can you help me with my phone? I'm like, probably not actually because I don't. Uh, no. I don't actually mess with like, this app is broken. I'm like, I don't know. It's somebody else's problem. Good I, luck. Yeah, right. Good luck. Hope you figure it out. Reboot maybe. No, so what I teach is the the actual signal that goes between your phone and the cell phone tower. So how your phone is actually talking out, what information it sends, how when an incoming phone call comes in to you, how do we find you? Mm -hmm. How detailed can you get on that kind of stuff? As far as like tracking somebody down? Mm -hmm. I mean, your cell phone network has to find you. So Mm -hmm. yeah, when you have like my phone number is not from Madison. So when... Nor is mine. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's normal nowadays. Mm -hmm. Now that we don't have like roaming in the United States, and oh, I remember no roaming charges. Yeah, back roaming in the charges day, yes. and long distance charges. Yes. So, Nighttime minutes. Oh yeah, you got to count your minutes up and everything, or you had to text count messages. your text messages. How many characters were in your text? Yep, you get 120 characters in an SMS message, right? 
Um, so yeah, your your network has to know where you're at so that it has to find you somehow. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's pros and cons to that, right? The pro being you can get a call or a text when someone's calling you. The con being maybe malicious people that have access to phone networks can find you as well, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a bummer. So we uh, we talk about how all that stuff works. We also talk about how all like wireless stuff works, like mm-hmm. your garage door opener. Yep. So we'll actually look at like how, how can we see that the data work? that it's sending. That's right? a good question. That's yeah, exactly what I was thinking. I was like, hmm. Never mine, really thought about it. Like a mine won't open the neighbors, right? Right, there you go. That's actually what we'll do huh? is we, we go through and we see the signal that comes off yours and why it's different from somebody else. Mm-hmm. The same with car keys. There's I'm all sure sorts of, you don't think of like how many expands. wireless Even like, are around. like casting to your TV now. Oh, yeah. Like, yep. Or the, you, when you pull it up the list and it's got like your TV and like seven TVs nearby. Right. You, you see them all there. Yep. Or the one that nobody ever thinks about. You know, when you walk up to doors and there's a handicap, uh, Mm -hmm. ADA button to Mm -hmm. open the door, most of those are wireless. Hmm. I guess I never really put any thought into it. I figured they're all hardwired. Well, you think about the buildings where we put, like, this pedestal out in the sidewalk. Yeah. Uh You know, like, think of here at DSU, the Science Center. I suppose that you would have to kind of be wireless in that aspect without, like, tearing up. Yeah, because otherwise you have to, like, dig up the foundation (laughs) of the building to run a wire in. So, yeah. So I suppose any time it's added to a building would have to be wireless yep. for the most part. Whereas, yeah, new buildings, it's usually not a problem. Usually that's built in because that's mm-hmm. just a part of building code nowadays mm-hmm. is to have ADA accommodations for, for all of that. But, yeah, hmm. um, that's, that's something that's wireless that nobody ever thinks of. Yeah. Uh, and that also is handy for folks with, that are mobility impaired so they can actually get cool little things that just walk up. And Connect. we can program them to, like, here's this door. So they could go up and almost like a garage door opener, yep. hit the button, um, like if they're in a mobility chair, mm-hmm. and it'll open the door for them before Which they get there. Which is good, there. because if you've ever hit those buttons, those doors open incredibly they're not, slow. Yeah, oh. it's really slow to get to. <laughs> so right? like, yeah, if oh you could gosh. preemptively do yeah. it, so yeah. it's yeah. ready for yeah. you as you're approaching. You're getting closer, you see it, you hit the button, so it's already open by the time you get there. And then you yeah. don't have to like re-navigate if right. you're too close to the door. Mm-hmm. So we talk about that in my classes. We also talk about just positioning systems, like how does GPS work? Mm-hmm. Or like we can, we aren't, no one's tracking you like when you're on the wireless at DSU, but if you ever lose your phone and it's connected to the DSU Wi-Fi, we can actually find roughly where it's at. Ooh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's it's a handy like, you know, like I said, yeah, we're not, if you, if no you one's don't... stalking you mm-hmm. because we, I mean, Kyle's probably in his office. It's a good assumption. Like, <laughs> I'm not going somewhere sneaky. But if I left my phone somewhere, we can usually get a rough rough idea of where it's at. Uh, and that's just similar to, you know, like your cell phone company has Finder, to know where yeah. you're yeah. at for Wi-Fi. Yeah. We just have to know where you're at in order for it to work. It's not really a conspiracy. It's yeah. just there's no way to not know well, and where you're at. Can you imagine if you were actively trying to track everyone on campus? Oh, Who yeah. has time for that? No, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, and then, you know, think about it. Like, I have my calendar that people have access to, and mm-hmm. students have their schedules that, so we, we don't need crazy networking wireless things to track people. We can assume they're probably in class, or I'm mm-hmm. probably yeah. in my office, or wherever. Or you call Erin, she knows where I'm at. So, <laughs> yeah. That's the solution, Jenna. I just call Erin. Yeah. Call Erin every Where's time. Where's he at? Yeah. <laughs> Find him now. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the main thing that I teach is how wireless stuff works. That's cool. So. Awesome. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, um, if people are interested in learning more from you, how can they reach out? Yeah. So if you're interested in learning more about the camp, that's at just gencyber.camp. Learning more about me, I do, uh, I'm also the PhD or the coordinator for the PhD in cyber defense, which mm-hmm. is a bit of a swing to go from this big high school activity to like the a top. PhD <laughs> program. Um, but uh, that's also something that I, uh, I do here. So I work with a lot of uh, doctoral students and researchers mm-hmm. and whatnot and all the cool stuff that they're doing. That's all across the board from non-technical stuff to really cool wireless things between the cyber defense and the cyber ops and the computer science PhD. So I Sounds like we'll have to bring people. you back to talk about that. Oh, yeah. We've got all sorts of cool, cool things going on in there. So, yeah. Otherwise, I have little blurbs all over, I think, on the DSU website and the mm-hmm. bio and all that. You can check out. So search my name and I'd say find my social media, but that's kind of a random, mm-hmm. random hodgepodge there. So, mm. Well, with Twitter these days, who knows? Yeah, exactly. It might not even be me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, uh, thank you so much for being our guest today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe.